0: At Wheaton Park District, we manage 54 parks, dozens of playgrounds, tennis courts, and a mini golf and skate park. We have an accredited zoo, a county museum, multiple athletic fields and sports complex, two swimming pools, 150 acres of nature preserves, and a 27-hole golf course and banquet facility. Everything else is just a talk in the park.
1: On today's episode of A Talk in the Park, we have Northwest Medicine athletic trainer Teope Wetterman. We talk about her role as an athletic trainer and how to educate people on concussions. We also speak with athletic manager Adam Lewandowski, who oversees the Wheaton Rams, about the state of their tackle and flag football program. We explore how the Rams program educates their coaches on the risk of injuries and concussions, as well as where the enrollment numbers are for the upcoming 2019 season. So, welcome, Teope. Uh, thanks for joining us. You know, we'd love to know a little bit about your background and some experience that you might have.
2: Yeah, so currently I work at Northwestern Medicine as one of their athletic trainers. I split my time between working in Dr. Babka's physician clinic, he's one of our sports medicine physician who sees concussions, and then the other uh, half of my time is spent at St. Francis High School where I am an athletic trainer for all of the athletic teams there. It's me and another athletic trainer, so we cover all the sports, uh, do all their medical care, we're there for practices, for games, so that's about a little bit about what I do. I went to school at North Central College, we study athletic training, you have to have a degree in athletic training, you have to take a board certification exam, so that's my background and I've been there for four years, so...
1: Nice. So a little bit about the episode today, we just want to kind of go over concussions and injuries and kind of, you know, educate people on some of the signs and what to look for. You know, we have a lot of volunteer coaches in our programs that I think can be used this information and it's very valuable. So, you know, lean in on your expertise and what you've seen in your role at St. Francis and, you know, in your career and kind of give us some information that maybe people don't necessarily know. First one is what is a concussion?
2: Yeah. So that's a very complex question. So a concussion, it's not a structural brain injury, and that's where um, it, it makes it hard to to see it because you don't you're not actually seeing anything. It can be caused by a direct blow to the head. It could be a blow to another part of the body. But it is a more uh, physiological injury caused by some biomechanical forces. So, you know, you don't necessarily have to get hit in the head to get a concussion. Um, You can have more of like a whiplash injury, could, you know, fall on the ground um, and hit your shoulder. So there's not, you know, a specific way that you you can get a concussion. It's usually a, a... rapid onset onset of uh, neurological function where you're kind of having issues with thinking. Maybe you're fatigued, you're a little slow. So it's, it's like I said, it's a, it's a hard question. There's nothing specific that, that you can uh, define it as other than just that short-lived impairment of neurological symptoms that are more physiological versus structural.
1: Okay. So then, Could you tell just by looking at somebody, you know, in a sporting event, if they have a concussion? Like, what's the first signs, maybe?
2: Yeah, you know, I mean, if we're specifically talking about football, you're always kind of worried about those hits that everyone's always like, ooh, ooh, that was a big one. The
1: cringeworthy hits. yeah,
2: Yeah, you know, especially for me on the sidelines. If I'm watching and I'm seeing something like that, you know I'm watching that athlete very closely now if they were to walk over me you're not necessarily going to be able to look at their face and be like you got it it's not like a broken arm right it's pretty clear whether or not it's broken or not but you are you know dep- it also depends on how well you know your athletes you know I, I have certain athletes who I know very well and they walk over to me after maybe a big hit or something that just kind of looked funky mm-hmm. and I think you look a little little off let's talk um, and then I have somewhere I mean they You're not going to be able to see anything. So, you know, in terms of, you know, seen a visual representation of the injury usually not but you are going to have some maybe they're walking a little unbalanced maybe they're stumbling a little bit but that's usually the only true part that you'll be able to see and that's not always the case that's not going to be represented in every injury so it my answer would be no you're yeah. not going to to see it there's other things that you're yeah. going to do to kind of formulate the oh, this
0: is what I'm worried about right I didn't play any sports growing up. Mm -hmm. If I were to like look at someone and be like, oh, I don't know if they have a concussion. So what are the main symptoms that like you look for in an athlete or just a person that comes into the clinic and you're like, oh, it might be a concussion. So like what can other people look for?
2: For example, if I, I have an athlete, I pull out the night before and I have them come check in with me the next day. You know, they might be complaining of a headache. Usually that's I'm not gonna say that's with every concussion, but that's usually one of the first things an athlete is going to complain of is, my head really hurts. Um, they might feel a little dizzy. They might have some blurred vision. A lot of times they might feel nauseous too. I think when, you, when you're talking about about symptoms with a concussion, it's hard to, to label it because uh, Every person and every injury is different. So um, you might have someone who has trouble concentrating in, in class, and they might be super tired. And on the flip side, you might have someone who who's not experiencing those symptoms. But you know, if if I'm pulling a kid off the sidelines, asking them, "How are you feeling? You know, do you have a headache? Are you dizzy?" Do you feel out of it a little bit? Those are probably the main things that I'm asking, it is is yeah. for sure a headache. Like I said, that's usually a telltale. I can't really remember anyone that's come off and I'm questioning whether or not they have one um, who's never really reported a headache, even just a small one. They might just feel slow. You might even be able to see that too, that's yeah. you know on yeah. top of the, 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 the balance impairment. You might just, you look a little slow, you look tired today. So that's visually what you might might see when yeah. someone's coming to them. And it can happen pretty quick.
0: That's what I was going to yeah. yeah, that's I what mean, I was going to ask. Have, like, does it happen com- right away or?
2: Symptoms can appear 24 to 48 hours. You know, we don't, there's no specific timeline. You're going to have the athletes who can come up after, after something happening and they might be able to report symptoms right away they might not show up till the next day and then you're like, "Ooh, okay. Now we know what's kind of going on." So, yeah. That's what makes this so hard yeah. is that, you know, it, it, the biggest thing is when you have those 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 questionable hits, those questionable run-ins on the field. Um just because you pull them off and they say, nope, I'm fine, I don't feel anything, doesn't mean that that's not going to result in something.
0: What is the best course of action that someone can take to help people recover from a concussion?
2: Sure. Yeah again, these are all, they're hard questions because they're right. not very straightforward. Yep. You know, you yeah. look at the literature, you look at the research, there's not a definitive answer of this is how you do it. It's not, it's not black, and black and white. And white. Yeah. You can't follow a, a formula. There's there's insufficient evidence to say this is how you have to do it. But but in general, we're, we're following a, a brief period of rest, which, you know, can be anywhere from 24 to 48 hours is the recommendation. Um, the recommendations we follow it's called the berlin concussion census it came comes out every couple of years the newest one came out in 2018 so they recommend 24 to 48 hours of some acute rest that might mean maybe maybe that kid's staying home from school maybe if that happened on a friday they're hanging out over the weekend at home not really doing much i'm just kind of letting those symptoms calm down but we really want to encourage those kids to gradually get back into their daily activity you know more often than not I'm hunting down some of my athletes being like, Hey, what's going on? How are we feeling? You haven't been to school for a couple of days. The research is very, very supportive of active recovery. You know, we used to say, Oh, you have a headache, you should do nothing until that headache's gone. And really we're we're looking at that sub threshold. So if you go in, you know, a lot of it is don't don't use screens, don't play video games, don't watch movies, don't read, don't do all of those things. But if you go in, let's say you have a three, of a headache and you're doing those and doesn't change, we want you to do those. But if you go in and you start watching a movie and you're, you're now starting to feel worse, we want you to back off. So we definitely want kids going to school. We want them to hang out with their friends. We want them to be a part of daily activity while watching those symptoms and letting those symptoms recover. You know, looking at Length of recovery, I think that's one thing too. Is um, the older you get, the 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 shorter it is. So you you know you're getting up to more adult age, maybe high school age. You're looking at 10 to 14 days. And children, which you know you're looking at wheat and rams football. You're looking at younger kids. It might take upwards of four weeks. But we're really looking at you know if. Uh, you're sending your athlete to follow up with their primary care physician and they're not really improving We want to refer them out to those specialists. Oftentimes they might go to physical therapy They might go to a neuropsychology evaluation right speech therapy So there's a lot of different things to be done other than just rest until those symptoms go away Which I think a lot of people don't know how much those things can help physical therapy Maybe there's a neck component. Maybe their balance is off and they're gonna work on that and that improves their symptoms So, um, you know, in terms of best recovery, I don't have a great answer for that other Mm -hmm. than, you know, if you're hitting, I would, you know, long symptoms, um, getting them to the appropriate care, getting them to that specialist to get them the care that they need is really good for their recovery.
0: Do you treat like people that come in that have maybe like three or four concussions versus like someone who just has one? How is the treatment different?
2: Sure. So (laughs) just like I said earlier, every, every concussion between you and I and the next person um, will be different. And, and if I have my third one, my third one's going to be different than my first and second, but the, you know, the, the, looking at the research of okay you have more concussions what does that look like and generally it is just a longer recovery you might report more symptoms your symptoms might be more severe so it might just you know prolong that recovery and you might need more of those sub-specialties you might need a little bit more therapy so it's not necessarily treated a little bit differently you're just you know you're going to anticipate it taking a little bit longer to recover
1: I got a couple questions and mm-hmm. based off of kind of what you, you know, we're talking about as your role as the athletic trainer for St. Francis, like, have you ever overruled a coach and said, no, like to my professional opinion, like this kid has to sit down.
2: We as athletic trainers, you know, it's written differently into your policy. So our policy at St. Francis is as the person in charge of each athletes, individual medical care, and we can overrule a physician. We can overrule a coach for sure, 100%. You know, and, and back to the physician, it might be more, um, maybe they want to clear them earlier, but maybe they're still symptomatic. So it's not necessarily right or wrong. Right. It's more, you know, we see the kids every day. Um, so someone who sees a doctor on Monday, maybe they're symptomatic they think that maybe they'll be symptomatic on Friday but back to the coaches it comes down to i think relationship building with your coaches having um those conversations pre-season saying listen this is my job here this is my role i'm here to protect the kids truthfully i don't care if we win or lose most of the time you can ask me Did, who won not don't, really I, yeah, sure don't know. what's the score i don't know my yeah. that is while it's all fun and games and you know obviously i want my athletes and my teams to, to do well at the end of the day if it doesn't mean much to me if they're doing well and they're not safe. So, you know, really having those conversations with the coaches ahead of time, having preseason meetings, letting them know, here's how we handle these situations. This is this is our protocol. If We suspect this is, we're going to do X, Y, and Z and make sure everyone's kind of on the same page. So we've definitely overruled a coach who's, no, no, no they're fine. I, I don't feel that way. I don't think the kid feels that way. We're going to reevaluate and kind of go from there. Oftentimes I pull a parent into that situation too. Um, but, you know, at least from my standpoint at St. Francis, you know, I think we have really good relationships where they, I don't often run into that because they know. Yeah, they trust That's you. what they yeah. say. That's what we're going to yeah. do. And we'll. Figure it out from there. Right.
1: You got a job just like they do. So they're going to let you, you know, make that call. So that's great. What is one or two unknown facts about concussions that you wish everybody knew and were aware of that, you know, most people don't know of?
2: Sure. Actually, this was, I was most excited for this question because (laughs) I have more than two things that I. (laughs) I feel our constant conversations that I have with parents, with athletes, with coaches, and and a lot of it is more just not knowing the current evidence and current practices. You know, things are always evolving and changing. So, someone in my position, I have to keep up with it, and I, and I love educating people and telling people this is how we're gonna do it. This is why. So, there's a couple of things. Number one, you don't have to lose consciousness to have a concussion, and actually most occur without losing consciousness. So I think a lot of people are, oh, well, they they didn't lose consciousness. That's actually not what we're looking at. Yes, we want to note that, but in the grand scheme of things, that's not a requirement. Something else I run into is, you know, especially if we send an athlete to, to – the emergency room, or if they go to an emergency room at, a, at an away game and they come back and the parents, like, we didn't get a CT scan, we didn't get an MRI. It's not required for a concussion. Um, you know, like I had spoken about earlier, it's not structural. So you're not necessarily going to see anything on those scans unless they're worried about a structural brain injury. Yeah. So, we're actually looking to decrease scans and, and concussions. just Unless you're looking for a traumatic brain injury with some structural issue going on, you don't need a scan. And I talked about earlier, you know, resuming daily activity. We have patients who come in who haven't gone to school for, for weeks on end. and That's like every kid's you're dream. One, right. <laughs> you're wondering, okay, we, we need to get you back into your life. And they, they feel so much better. So, you know, and I'm, we want to monitor it too. It's not go back 100%. All day school, everything. We want slow, gradual progress, but we want them to do stuff. You take kids who are super active, super social, and you say, "I'll do nothing." They're not going to respond well to that. So, um, we want them to be a part of those things. You know, if Mm -hmm. I lay on the couch all day for two weeks, I'm going to be exhausted, tired, Mm and
1: bored, probably probably a little cranky. So, you know, we
2: exactly. So, we want we want to you. You know put our athletes out there with their friends um while like i talked about keeping their symptoms below that threshold where it gets worse sleeping yes
1: you know, i that, read a little bit about that yeah that's what conception. i was i was gonna
2: ask too like is do you that not sleep? real do you sleep oh, do you wake you them every hour set you know the record a lot of people straight exactly so you know that's part of the conversation i have when i talk to parents you know and talking them about this is what we're going to do I, you know one of the symptoms of having concussion is being very fatigued, and we want them to listen to their bodies. We want them to sleep. We certainly do not need to wake them up. We don't need to wake them up, ask them questions. That's very, very old school. Who's the president? What exactly. year is it? <laughs> yeah, we do not need to do that. You know, however, we do encourage parents. You know, check in on them, make sure they're doing okay. But if they're sleeping, they're not awake, just let them sleep. Um, if you think about when your brain truly gets to do nothing and rest, it's really only when you're sleeping. So, you know, it is a, a a brain injury. So we want to kind of shut it down just like we would shut down a sprained ankle or a fractured arm. We kind of have to give it what it needs and, and sleeping is part of it. So, you know, if I have athletes checking in with me at the end of the day, a lot of times I'm like, you need to go home and take a nap i can tell today wiped you out Mm -hmm. go home sleep for a couple hours relax and that that definitely improves their recovery and they feel better and and i think people don't utilize that as much as they should they kind of fight being tired but we want to listen to that
1: yeah well this is a a two-parter last question one thing that i thought i was like a resource for parents to go to And like, how can we educate our volunteer parent coaches on the risks of concussions and how to spot them? So maybe, you know, what's the biggest things we should teach them and where should they go to get some more information if they don't have an athletic trainer or a doctor that's available for them to kind of go to right away?
2: Yeah, actually, the CDC has some really great stuff out there. So, you know, you, you, you with anything you worry about when people start googling and searching the internet web MD and, it yeah it's there's so much stuff out there. So we, we do refer parents to the CDC if they're really looking for some stuff to read on. Um, I You know, we've devised at St. Francis a concussion pamphlet that we give out to parents and athletes so that it has that information in there so we know what they're reading, which I think is is very helpful. So if, if people are looking for resources to read about and look, I would send them that way. And in terms of, of educating the volunteer coaches on risk. You know, it's concussions are an inherent risk no matter what. Right. I mean, you know, in my personal experience, but the only concussion I ever received was in a car accident. So and I did sports up until I did sports through college. I ran college track, I did gymnastics, and the only only one I ever had was outside of my designated sport. Yeah. So you could get one, you know, the number of times people bunk, you know, bump their head on their wall or their bed. So, you know, it's a risk with with anything. And I think it's hard because there's no specific thing that we can say, this is what's causing it. We need to avoid this because it's different for everyone. I think what we need to do is educate people on how to go about the recovery process. You know, what are the steps that we should do? And the biggest thing is, you know, if, if you know the saying: "When in doubt, keep them out." You know, if at any point you're you're not sure, uh, you know that that kid's at risk regardless. I mean, you know, I talk to my athletes all the time when they're upset. I'm like, for me, I would rather you miss this week than miss six weeks of not only your sport, but it can affect your daily life, yeah. um, your yeah. school. So for me, you know, just making those 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 coaches aware. You know, if you're not sure it should be a no they're not going back in regardless and then send them to where they need to go have them call their primary um if you're really worried about them refer them you know to the emergency room or the athletic trainer on site but i think for me it's just knowing that keeping them out is better in the long run one game is more important than weeks of recovery
1: a lot of coaches don't like they don't like hearing that sit them out you know the season's only eight weeks or nine weeks and they're like it is but johnny's gotta play and he's the best player and right. you know that's that's a tough thing and you know we
2: and people pull that yes. they'll pull it all the time well they are starting running back and I, like i said earlier, i don't care if we win i'm trying to make sure this child is safe it's healthy and, and healthy and, safe. and to me, whoop de doo they could play in one last football game. But okay, well, what if they can't come to school? They don't. They can't hang out with their friends. Like we need to make sure that they can do those daily activities, those those life things. Mm-hmm. And I think you know, piggybacking on that, you know, when you're getting an athlete who's returning. Coaches should always, always, always get a written clearance from a physician. You know, having that note. We don't return anyone regardless of if I saw them in the office with Dr. Babco or I know who they saw or I I need written clearance. And they know and they – well, you – You know, you need a doctor's note. And then the second thing is um, every athlete who is returning from a concussion should do a graduated return to play. It's not a, you're cleared on this state, you can go right back in. Right. You need to, it's a five day step process. And each day you will do a little bit more activity. So we have to make sure that, you know, while we can't necessarily decrease the risk of concussions, we can um, decrease the severity and how much it affects their life later on, at least in, in the acute future. you know the, the research hasn't expanded too far right now, but making sure that in the near future they're not having any issues, I think. A takeaway, keep them out. If you're even thinking that something happened, get a written clearance from a physician. The state of Illinois requires it to be an M.D. or a D.O. at an IHSA level so or an athletic trainer. So we, we have to get a written clearance and we have to have them go through a return to play. That's that's a, a law for us. We're trying to just educate people on knowing that that's part of the process. That's You cannot skip that. So I think those are two things, three things that if I wanted coaches to know, because I still have my coaches who are like, what? They have to do a return? They can't play tomorrow? Right no they can't Could <laughs> try but yeah. we do have to take them through these steps to make sure that there are no residual symptoms nothing comes back and they're still feeling good
1: because isn't a lot of people it's a big risk to to get a second one if they come back too early and yeah you know you don't know that they just got a second one if they come back too early too quick you know back to regular yeah play. And you're
2: just going to pro- again prolong that recovery i think You know, if you kind of turn it on the, well, it's only eight weeks long, well, let's make sure we do it right, decrease the amount of time that it takes for them to return so they don't miss as much as they could if we, you know, don't follow what what we're seeing. So, you know, playing with symptoms
0: will prolong the recovery. Totally, yeah. It'll make it worse. I feel like that goes for everything. Like, you want to do things right the first time, so the second time, it's not, you know, it's not going to be worse and...
1: Well, Absolutely. thank you very much. That was very enlightening. You know, I feel like we're doing a great service to the community to teach them about it. We don't want to scare anybody, but we also want to educate them to know here's what to look for. And in the next interview with uh, Adam Lewandowski, we're going to talk about what the Rams do, you know, especially because people are so concerned about football with tackling and, you know, what we do as a park district to educate our coaches, our parents and, you know, the trainings that we put them through and we utilize athletic trainers and you know just making sure people are aware that we do care about the safety we do care about them winning is not the only thing that we care about as well so it's just great uh, resource tool to have somebody local like you that can come out and, and do this for the community so we really appreciate it
2: yeah absolutely and one thing i forgot to mention is something that um you know we try to do is involve the kids in it you know they're going to be the ones to hear their teammates say, wow, that hit really hurt. My head hurts. And I think even at the high school level, they're getting so much better at being like, hey, can you go check on Joe over there? He's acting kind of weird. Um, and I think it goes back to, to that relationship building and, and having the kids comfortable with going up to a coach saying, something's not right. Maybe someone should go talk to them. And then having making sure the kids know that here's what you could feel let us know if you're feeling it you know we're not going to we we want to keep you safe and this is what you you might feel if this happens to you so you know we do like an in-service at the beginning of of each contact sport season and letting them know here's here's the symptoms here's how this could happen and we want to talk to you about that we'd rather be safe rather than sorry and have those conversations so you know that's my my tip for coaches is making sure that we're you not only you know looking for the the kids who have them, but listening to the other kids who are around them, because like I said, a lot of times they're not going to say those things in front of us, but they will right. in front of their friends. Yep. So if we can use their friends, and it's not tattletaling, but it's 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 keeping your teammates accountable too. You know, if your teammate's out, it it's, it does affect the whole team. So making sure that we're all on the same page, we're all keeping everyone accountable. I think is one of the easiest ways we can make sure things are are handled is is including the kids in those conversations too.
1: Totally. Knowledge is power and uh, you know, if you see or hear something, say something, it's you know, like you said, it's not a we're telling on somebody, you know, you would hope somebody would do that for you. It shows you care about that person.
2: You're worried about them and you want them to be safe and healthy and you want to make sure they get what they need.
1: Yes, definitely. Well again, thank you very much. And uh Again, everybody, CDC, or again, reach out to the Park District or Teope, you know, St. Francis as an athletic trainer, you know, great resources within the community that we can uh, use uh, to our benefit. So thank Mm -hmm. you very much.
0: Thanks for having me. We're now joined by Adam Lewandowski, the athletic manager who oversees Wheaton Rams football and cheer. Hi, Adam.
3: Hello. How are you? We're doing good. Thanks for joining us.
0: Do you see a trend of more flag football registrations?
3: Yes, we have. In 2014, we had 187 participants, and in 2018, we had 322, which is a 42% increase over the four years.
0: So how are enrollment numbers for Tackle Football and Flag Football programs?
3: The Flag Football program is on pace to stay consistent with the numbers from last year, and in Tackle, we are actually up 32 participants from this time last year. So we are expecting to have one to two more teams in Tackle this year.
0: Do you see both uh, enrollment numbers increasing every year?
3: Um, I think flag football will eventually level out to where we're at now, and um, moving forward, tackle will definitely consistently grow in the next couple of years.
1: So our previous uh, interview with Teope from Northwest Medicine, uh, we were talking about the volunteer coaches and how to educate them on what to look for with concussions and injuries. So uh, what do the Wheaton Rams program do to help educate parents and coaches on injuries and concussions?
3: Well, first off, all of our coaches are USA football certified, which includes a um, concussion, concussion test that they have to go through on our rams football webpage we have a safety tab that has articles with concussion facts symptoms to look for and then links to recent studies all of our helmets are certified every year and we have a northwestern medicine trainer out at every single game all of our coaches talk to the parents and players in their preseason meetings about player safety and concussions
0: so what is the wheaton rams in football and cheer looking forward to the most for the upcoming season
3: we are looking forward to having as many community members come out and support us on our way to winning as many Super Bowl championships as we can. Our season runs from August 17th to the middle of November on Saturdays or Sundays.
1: Thank you for joining us, Adam. It was uh, great to uh, get a little bit of information about the Wheaton Rams uh, football program and you know what we do to promote safety and educate our coaches on injuries and concussions What happened last month at Wheaton Park District? We had a few events that we want to talk about.
0: Yeah, July was a busy month for the
1: Park District. Yeah, we had a couple big events here. So it's kind of exciting that we can go back and kind of recap what we had and kind of give you an idea of uh, the numbers, what we did, participation, some of the games. So the first one was Game On, and that was uh, July 25th. It was in conjunction with the NRPA uh, National Parks and Rec Month, which is every July. We had it at Northside Park this year, and we had roughly two to 250 uh, residents and summer campers that came out this year. Uh, It was the first time that we did an event like this. We had a bunch of different games. We had a scavenger hunt. We had bags. We had Giant Connect Four, Giant Jenga, and Frisbee Golf. We basically just wanted parents and kids and campers to come out to the park and just, you know, get their game on, explore the park, have fun, be out in the open. It was great weather. It was like 85 and sunny. So I think that definitely helped uh, get the numbers and everything that we had. So it was a great event uh, for the first year and we're looking forward to doing it next year. We also had the parade and fireworks and Amy's going to kind of give some information about that.
0: We had over 20,000 people from the community show up for the fireworks on the 3rd at Graff Park and the parade. So we wanna thank everyone that came out. The fireworks show was awesome. We received a lot of great feedback and the grand finale was amazing. So we look forward to next year. Uh, For the 4th, we had over 80 parade entries that ranged from community groups to bands and it was a great parade. If anyone hasn't seen it yet or they missed it, it is available on WheatonParkDistrict.com if you're still interested in watching it or maybe reliving the awesome memories that everyone made at the parade. And then throughout the month of July, we've had Music Mondays in Memorial Park, and it was a great series. We had music from pop to rock to Jimmy Buffett. It was it was great, and it was more kid-friendly this year, so we had face painting, and we had a scavenger hunt, fun, and we had bubbles and chalk. So between the four weeks, we had over 1,200 people come. So thanks again to everyone that came and spent their Mondays in the park with us. We were really lucky all four weeks that we had great weather. And we look forward to next summer when the Memorial Park renovation is complete. On Discover Wheaton Park District, the fall brochure guide came out a few weeks ago. Um, Open registration starts today, actually. Uh, Resident registration opened on the 30th of July.
1: And a few programs that we kind of wanted to highlight for league sports would be in-house basketball. We got baseball, softball, in-house soccer, volleyball, and uh, football registration should be winding down since the season is starting. But those are some of the big leagues that are coming up that uh, are still open for registration if you are interested. We want to thank everybody who sent in questions to podcast at wheatonparks.org. Again, if you have any additional questions, email us there. We had one question we wanted to touch base since this is you know, the second episode uh, for the podcast was where and how did we come up with the topics for each episode? So Amy, you want to kind of get some insight on that question for us?
0: Yeah. So our park district is really unique because we have a lot of facilities that some of our park districts might not have like we have a zoo and we have a golf course and those are like two in particular that are a little bit more unique so when we were thinking about what we want to talk about and what we thought would be interesting we really wanted to highlight a lot of our facilities and what's like unique specifically about our park district so with that we came up with topics that could also relate to our residents so a sneak peek is we have an all things green episode that's gonna be coming out in the future. So that episode is gonna cover how we conserve and how the park districts uh, stays green. And also we're gonna bring on someone from Arrowhead that will talk about ways to have the best grass in your neighborhood. And since the podcast is kind of all encompassing of everything that's going on at the park district, we wanna make sure that someone who's really interested in football can also hear about an upcoming run. If we kind of touched Based on everything, then everyone could kind of really understand what we do at the Park District.
1: We want to make sure it's a global. Podcast. We're not just singling certain aspects out. So it's great to touch base, like Amy said, on all different areas and give everybody a chance to to hear something that they want. And it's not just specifically focused on athletics or rec or special events um, to give everybody an idea of what we do and kind of behind the scenes, some little bit more tidbits that you might not get from a flyer or from an email. That's kind of you know how Amy and I sat down and how we were deciding on what topics, what months things came out on and, you know, made sure that we planned this out. So, you know, everybody had a chance to learn about the entire park district as a whole.
0: And one of the cool things about that too, is that since Mark and I are going to be speaking with a lot of people from the park district that we're kind of learning as we go to. So I learned a lot about concussions this episode. So I'm kind of learning new things too. And I look forward to learning more as we go through.
1: So thank you for the questions. Again, keep emailing us, podcast at wheatonparks.org, and we will pick a few of them each episode and make sure that we kind of highlight those questions and kind of answer those for, for you, the listeners, so you kind of get an idea of you know what's going on in our heads.
0: Thank you for listening. Be sure to download, rate, share, and subscribe to A Talk in the Park wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow the Wheaton Park District on Facebook and Instagram at Wheaton Park District. Additional information on Wheaton Park District programs and services can be found at WheatonParkDistrict.com. Until next time, this has been a talk in the park.
1: A Talk in the Park is a production of the Wheaton Park District.